Mike, I am fairly sure that my three-year-old child is booking AEW because I cannot think of anyone else with that would think it would be super cool to see a truck rev its engine several times and then drive four feet before an entrance. This and other toddler entertainment tips coming up on the Miss Spots podcast. Uh, yeah, so AEW, big fans of trucks. And it's, I, I feel like it's like three out of the last five weeks we've had this. We had it with Cody, that we had it two weeks in a row with the revival. And I, I it must be really impressive to somebody. I, I don't know who it is, but someone needs to tell them that it's not nearly as cool as they think it is. And next, they're going to get that uh, that guy who does the monster truck commercials, and it'll be like Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday here on AEW Dynamite. Come see the trucks and yeah. some wrestling. So, someone tell them to stop that, especially when you're talking about the, the, the three times they've done it. They've done it with Cody and FTR. These are like my favorite people on the show, and they're giving them the dumbest entrances you can imagine. Well, before we talk about. Uh, more AEW. Let's talk about the uh, the show that's on Mondays. Okay. Uh, last week, I feel like I asked you at first to say the things you liked about the show. Is that true? Uh, you did that to me for uh, Dynamite. Oh, okay. Because you couldn't believe that I, I enjoyed the show. <laughs> um, tell me this week, or was there anything that stuck out to you on Raw that you actually liked? No. I feel like maybe, maybe some of the... The Christian Edge and Randy Orton stuff, but of course, it didn't need to be done in the talk show type format. Because that's not because that's uh, not a thing. We've, yes. we've established that uh, it, that could have just been Christian and Edge talking backstage, uh, having a conversation as friends, or even just a sit down interview. I, I, it doesn't. Yeah. The, there is no such thing as the peep show. There is no such thing as the MVP lounge. They're dumb constructs that add nothing to the proceedings whatsoever. Uh, that all, that thing, yes, Christian and Edge can both talk. I like the setup of everything. I hated the construct around it. And then here comes good old Randy Orton to fix it all and cut an actual really really great promo in the back to a camera. And I thought this was, the, once again, the best part about this show continues to be this kind of thing. It's the weirdest setup I can ever think of. I still don't get the greatest wrestling match ever. By the way, you do realize that in the build-up to this match, 
they are using up the usage of the word wrestling for the next 25 years, right? They are going to call this the greatest wrestling match ever, and then Vince McMahon's going to go, okay, never use the term wrestling again until I'm dead. (laughs) Or even then, he'll be like, if you use the term wrestling after I'm dead for within the next five years after I die, I will come back in some way, shape, or form. You will know, and you will... Parish. But you know the the thing that 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 frustrated me about this with the even the edge and Christian part is that Christian was trying to was Christian trying to psych up Edge to kick the shit out of Randy Orton? No, he was trying to psych up Edge to have a great wrestling match. That's just wrong. I, I don't get that. Randy comes on stage and he wants to kick the shit out of Edge. He's cutting a promo about beating somebody up. That's where the meat of of this conflict should be. Not working together to put on the best performance. This is not Vince Russo booking where we peel back the curtain and everything's a, you know, a work shoot. So I just this has been such a weird thing. The performances, if I can use that word, of Randy Orton and Edge when they are cutting believable promos about disliking each other and wanting to fight each other has been very, very good. But the booking is preposterous and just so backwards and inside out, as I said before, that it's it it, it I don't know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, outside of that, I'm having a hard time even remembering things that happened. Um, I, I, I remember there being more of Ray calling Seth a son of a bitch and, uh, more Umberto and Alistair Black fighting for the honor of Ray Mysterio. Alistair Black and Ray Mysterio are best friends from childhood. They grew yes. up, uh, together. And it's Rey Mysterio. I mean, and, and Alistair Black, we know this. This is this is wrestling lore that these... It's like Bert and yeah. Ernie. <laughs> Black and Mysterio, Bert and Ernie. It's, they're synonymous with each other. So, of course, he's going to come to his childhood friend's aid. You know, the other thing about this that I did like was Seth Rollins' interaction with Rey. Uh, that worked for me. I liked Seth coming out for the interview and in, in interjecting himself into it. I think I think Seth is working in this heel role where he can be calmer and more calculated in what he's saying and not being the ha-ha heel that I mentioned he had been before. So I like that aspect of it. I just like the setup of the interaction. I thought that that was a creative way to do that so I, I dug this but no having Alistair Black continue to be involved in this having them in a pointless tag match that does nothing that I feel like I've seen 10 times it's probably only been twice before but it feels like 10 and when mm. you can and this is the, this is the thing unfortunately with with pro wrestling and we'll see this with I see that I feel this way with a lot of the high spots that AEW uses. When I am no longer interested and I feel like I've seen something a thousand times, then something's wrong. 
right? Well, if I feel like yeah. I don't want to ever see Alistair Black team with Umberto Carrillo and be anywhere near near Seth Rollins again, I don't want to see Alistair Black get his hands on Seth Rollins. I don't want to see these two fight, which I should want to. I just want to see them go away from each other because I feel like it's been done to death already. So that's that's a big issue with me with that group of people with a bunch of talent. You know, a bunch of talented uh, individuals uh, kind of around there. And uh, speaking of overexposed, have you met my friend Charlotte Flair? She is everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. The, The creative team, when it comes to the women's division, are so creatively bankrupt that they can they they have to throw the tag titles on the on the SmackDown Women's Champion because they've got no other ideas. They've got to put Charlotte Flair on every show and hold one title and be fighting the champion from another show because they have no better ideas. They cannot, will not book a division with creativity, with depth with trying to bring people up the card, the only person not involved in this clusterfuck of an angle that the only person that they would be quote-unquote bringing up in this is Nia Jax, and she is incompetent in the ring and should never be let near a wrestling ring ever again. They're not utilizing talented individuals who they have on their roster. They are just giving us the same thing over and over again. When this clusterfuck of a segment that opened the show came up, at one point I looked and I said, there are five heels in the ring and yeah. one baby face. And, and Asuka's still not a baby face to me because she never turned baby <laughs> I was so, going to say, like, oh, you're finally yeah. admitting uh, that she's Good a baby catch. face. They had five heels and a tweener. And none of it worked. I did not want to see... Charlotte Charlotte Flair is someone who I've been excited to watch over the years. Asuka can be amazing. And when they said that they were going to fight again to start the show, I just completely tuned out. I had no interest in seeing it because it meant nothing. It was for nothing. And I knew I'm now going to see this 10 more times before they actually get to to a title match. They just burn up this currency and goodwill with these talented people where they have story to tell, but they just burn through it on TV in matches that mean nothing. So I fast forwarded through the tag match because it meant nothing and would mean nothing. And I fast forwarded through the main event with them because I knew it meant nothing. It would mean nothing. There was some good stuff in that match. They're talented, and I'm glad you watched it. And I absolutely believe that they... But overbooked mess. But but just, I don't want to see them. I do not want to see Charlotte yeah. fight Asuka. We've now seen them interact, fight with each other or against each other three times in two weeks. It's too yeah. fucking much. And they're they're already moving on from Nia Jax. The feud uh, before the Nia Jax feud is even technically over. Uh and if they would just have Charlotte lose her NXT championship and be in the background and cut promos and wrestle Dana Brooke or somebody else on the show and just say, hey, by the yeah. way, whoever wins this match, Asuka, 
or Nia Jax, I'm coming for you. That would be perfect. We'd be setting up that. And we would know that that Charlotte and Asuka have history. And we'd be setting up for something that we want to see. And I wouldn't give you even them in a tag match until the next pay-per-view. And then let them tear the fucking roof off the place. But they could have Charlotte sitting in the audience watching. Yeah. But they, but they would, uh, WWE would no doubt be like, well, now we have to have her attack Oscar. We can't just put her out there and not have, have them, uh, go at it with one another because they feel like they have to pull the trigger. If, if there's a gun in front of their face, they're like, oh, you gotta pull the trigger here. Like they, yeah, they're incapable of allowing things to build in a more anticipating building way. They are incapable. They are incapable of creativity. When it comes to booking a wrestling Would show. you say that they're uncreative? They're very uncreative. And they're also... Or in-creative? And they're, and they're not only uncreative, they're also ridiculously impatient. And they're giving people something for free. Now, obviously, everyone has the WWE Network and everything. We're not... We don't build the pay-per-views necessarily to make money, I don't believe, in the WWE anymore. But we do to blow off storylines to make something feel important. Instead of having Tom Phillips scream at me about how important this match is and how special it is, why don't you renewing their rivalry? Why don't you build it so I feel it's important? Why don't you build it so a fan going, man, I've got to watch this. And when I'm in a situation, and you can say I'm an idiot, fine, but when I'm in a situation where I really like these two in-ring competitors, I don't like their characters recently and their booking. But Charlotte and Asuka, and all I want to do is make it stop and fast forward through it. You've lost a big time wrestling fan who really would normally want to see this because you have an in, you're incapable of not playing with your shiny toy, you know, before Christmas, <laughs> you know, uh, breaking into your into your parents uh, into your parents' closet to play with your toys early. That that's what this is, and it's it's very frustrating for me. Uh the you know pointless tag match to end or not to end them the but the the to to set up the final part of the main event feud the men's main event feud it was a pointless tag match uh, i do not understand why private party was there they contributed nothing uh and where was matt hardy he's been hanging out oh with did, them I, did so i say much. private party <laughs> The Street Profits. <laughs> I did. I do not know why this. I thought that was your no, joke. No, no, no. Actually, I uh, Private Party has new uh, ring entrance music, which I liked, yeah. and did not. They did not sound like the Street Profits light, even in their entrance. And I know they didn't do a promo, so I give. I have to give them credit for that. But uh, no, the Street Profits. I don't know why they were there. No idea. Uh, and. We basically now have two comedy tag teams on top of Raw, and yep. nothing about the interaction with Drew McIntyre made any sense with the Vikings, because who cares? And nothing about what the Street Profits did out there mattered. So why are they out there? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get any of that. The, this is embarrassing to tag team wrestling, um, and like. 
FTR should be looking at and be like, God, we're glad we left that. That they took their champions and then their number one challengers and made them into jokes. And and what happened to a couple weeks ago with MVP kind of planting a little seed uh, to them being like, man, you guys are jokes. It, it, because it wasn't a seed. It, it wasn't something to be followed up on. It was either something MVP uh, snuck into his promo or it was just a thing they said, oh, well, that will cut them to the bone. But they're not going to. They're not going to use that to change anything or to tweak the presentation, which would be the genius aspect of it. No, they're just going to have them do comedy skits with Vikings and the Vikings hanging out with uh, with Drew McIntyre just make Drew McIntyre less cool. Right. It just it just makes him lame. And and honestly, Bob Lashley. I was like, why is he selling for these fucking, these, this comedy tag team? Lashley and MVP are not a legitimate team. The Vikings are a legitimate team that are a group of idiot Vikings in comedy segments. But Bob Lashley shouldn't have sold a fucking thing for those people. Bob Lashley is fighting for a, a, a world title. Bob Lashley has been viewed as dominant. He should have squashed those two people at this point. First of all, they chose to book this. They didn't have to. But at this point, with a comedy tag team and Bob Lashley, he should have ran through both of them like it was a hot knife through butter. Because these are idiots that do comedy segments, and this is a legitimate challenger to your world title. End of story. Yeah. And, and, like... It it should be pretty obvious that when you're saying Viking idiots, like you're referring to the characters mm-hmm. because super talented guys. Oh, uh, and we've seen that in the past. They, if they are presented as the War Raiders on NXT, which is the first time I ever saw them, these guys were intense, presented in a real in a realistic, vicious way, and I wanted to see more of them. Call up to the main roster. Now they're Vikings, and it's idiotic. And then they tried to dial that back, but never really did. And they just screamed a lot and hung out near red lights and smoke. Made no difference and made them look more lame. Then they turned them into a comedy team. Right now they are a joke, and they should not be hanging out with legitimate talent. The same thing is for the Street Profits. They're a joke. They should not be hanging out with legitimate talent, and. Bob Lashley has been presented really, really well for weeks. All of this brought him down a level and brought Drew McIntyre down a level, brought their feud down a level because of their interactions with this, these two teams. Yeah. And and this is all leading to a pay-per-view this weekend. Of course it is. Weekend. Of course. This is, what, that, this is man. what they decided to do with this. Shit. Now I got to pull up... Uh... The, the card because we're going to have to do predictions. Oh, I forgot. Did we still do that? Unfortunately. <laughs> it's backlash? Yeah, backlash. Flashback. La- ba- uh, Bob, Bob Lashley yeah. back. Uh, Sounds like a pickle, a really weird pickle back. <laughs> Does uh, it now? Uh, yeah, so that was my... my I'm going yeah, that, with that was my interpretation of Raw. I mean, it, the the dead ho- the beating the dead horse with Charlotte and Asuka and 
the muddying of the waters and the world title feud. None of that made, and none of this made me want to see Nia Jax and Asuka anymore. Not that I wanted to see it in any way, shape, or form beforehand, but they certainly, with their last salvo, did not help out their cause. Salvo. Yeah, salvo. I don't know. Yeah, that look one. it up. So sounds like a uh, hockey goalie. Salvo. Sal- like Tommy Salvo. It's more of a, uh, I believe, a military term. Uh, like I said, look it up. We'll talk about it off air. Anyone who's out there who okay. agrees with me, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I, anything else from Raw? Because no, no, no. I, I'm I'm way over that. Yes. Okay. So last week for Dynamite. You didn't like the show. I, I I just didn't think it was. Yeah, I didn't think it was very good. I, I okay, yes, guilty as charged. Did your opinion change for this week? I I didn't care for this a lot. No, I I, uh, I, I thought they did some good character building stuff this week. Even people like Joey Janela, who I don't care for, I I like the fact that they ran a a segment with him. You know, they uh, they did something to try to uh, they they did something to try to include in, in, to give his character some depth and run a vignette. They did a good promo with Cody on the vignette. I I think that the commentary with Jericho screaming gibberish and uh, at some point I feel like someone must have said, "Chris, you have to breathe every now and then while you're screaming at this at the at the ring." But the commentary was solid in trying to get everybody over in the ring. Uh, the things that I liked the most about this show, uh, my favorite thing about this show, honestly, was the Sammy Guevara and Colt Cabana match, which is probably the most low-key thing on this show, but it was a thing that actually made sense. Two guys who have lost a lot with very different styles with two different angles going on with Sammy and in the inner circle and everything the inner circle is doing and Colt Cabana with the, um, the dark order, dark order, this all worked. And the commentary selling these guys both need a win. They need to get some momentum because wins matter. I liked all of this. I liked the match. I thought it was well executed. I think they both did their, their, their shit and it didn't take 25 minutes. It was compact. It told a story. And at the end of it, Guevara got a win that he really needed because, honestly, he never wins. And uh, yeah. Colt Cabana, you know, even the thing with Colt Cabana, like, he, I'm going to choose what entrance I'm going to go because the baby faces come out of this side and the heels come out of this side and he goes down the heel side. And then we see the thing in the back. I was like, okay, this is storyline development. This works. That was my favorite thing about the whole show. And it was probably one of the more throwaway things for most fans because everything else was either meh or not great. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you that that was a probably, yeah, probably the best storyline uh, and storytelling portion of the show. Uh, I, I got to say that I'm once again frustrated by the tag team title picture and that now the natural nightmares are getting a tag team title shot next week. Why? Before best friends. They've, they've yeah. never done anything. 
This is one of the problems with booking a show where you say you're going to have number one contenders and wins and losses mean something and you're going to have a ranking system. When you want to tell stories outside of that, you don't have the ability, logically. So now we have multiple teams getting championship shots that have not earned them. And I don't know the answer to that. I I, I wish I did. Uh, I certainly would say it because I like being smug. But don't just do that. I, I just just don't. I, I don't I don't think it's necessary. You can have a non-title match with these people because uh, you know Paige and uh, Omega need to wrestle, and not every match can be a uh, title title match. So this is a situation where the natural nightmares can can have a non-title match. Because they need to get their shit together and maybe jump into the title picture. I'm never a big fan of, obviously, the uh, people beating the champions to to then earn a title shot. But these guys are not going to be the champions anyway. So let them go get a, a, yeah. a non-title opportunity. And you can tell the same story with Dustin and, and QT McWhiskers in the same thing. Exactly what I was about to say. It, nothing yeah. changes. Yeah. Nothing changes, but you don't give title shots to people who are undeserving of them. And yeah. and the one thing that came out of this, the biggest shock for me, is that I did not realize that the Butcher and the Blade no longer had the bunny. Because <laughs> yeah. apparently the bunny now loves QT McWhiskers. And I don't, I, I didn't, you know, because of the pandemic, I didn't know if maybe she was a Canadian and she was stuck out of the country or something. And yes, we've seen Butcher and the Blade recently. So you didn't realize that was her in no. all of those spots in the crowd? Well, no, because she wasn't wearing bunny ears and a weird mask. I did not get any of that. And I don't know anything about her as a character, as a wrestler. So no, I got none of that. And you know what, by the way, I... I could be wrong. I don't remember the commentary ever telling us that. I do not remember anyone on commentary go, that used to be the bunny with Butcher and the Blade now hanging out with QT McWhiskers. Someone did at one point. I don't remember who. I don't remember when. But I do remember it being brought up. And and honestly, with everything going on, what would it have taken to run a microphone out there with one of the backstage interviewers and ask Allie what happened? Right? Why are you no longer with the Butcher and the Blade? And it could have even been a very heelish... Brush the question off. This also could be something that might have happened on Dark, and we don't but, know because we don't watch and Dark. And then you just show it quickly on yes, Dynamite. Exactly, yeah. This is very, very simple. They like to show recaps from last it's, week, so why not show us Dark recaps? It's the recaps? simplest thing in the world. Give us a story of why she left them. And then, you know, Jim Ross can yell, oh, she's a Jezebel, right? She left the he, one of his favorite turns back back in the Attitude Era. She left them, the Butcher and the Blade, because they no longer could help her career. And now she latched on to QT McWhiskers because he's on the periphery of the Nightmare family. This is a good story. It could work and could give, actually, uh, McWhiskers something to deal with and, and do. But it just seems like an after... This seems like something that wwe would do yeah so speaking of speaking of butcher and and the blade uh there was one little thing during that match that uh i enjoyed just because it was 
it was wrong. Uh, when Jr. goes, you know, Butcher, he's also he's also a guitarist in a band. And Jr. goes, no, nah, he's a bassist. And, J- and Jericho goes, oh yeah, a bassist. I'm like, no, he is a guitarist. Like Jericho, was oh right. was he? Jr. correct. <laughs> Jr. corrected him incorrectly, and Jericho accepted that correction. <laughs> yeah, listen, just just to talk quickly, I thought Jericho did a good job on commentary. He's he's over enthusiastic. He screams too much, but he's definitely trying to yes. get people over. There's no doubt he's yes. trying to get people over, and there's no doubt that. It, it was a bit of a clusterfuck for the few matches with he, four people. He should there. have replaced Excalibur for the first hour, right? Until he came down with the baseball bat and Excalibur came out. That would have not, that would have helped the show, not hurt it. And uh, you listen, the, the, I think the commentary team, and I mentioned this when we, you asked me what I liked about uh, AEW, they do their best to sell this as something important, not oversell it. Not give us a bunch of nonsense, but they try to sell everything as being important, and they do a better job than any other wrestling pro- program that I'm watching right now. So uh, I do give them credit for that, and I give, I guess, Chris Jer- Jericho credit for trying to get things over, but I will say this. I mean, I was so looking forward to FTR wrestling their first match on AEW, and it was 5 out of 10. Mm. It was meh. Yeah, I I don't know if they've changed their finisher because they, which used to be called the Shatter Machine, which apparently is not called the Shatter Machine anymore. One of my favorite names for any wrestling move ever is the Shatter Machine. I hate the fact that they either can't or won't call it that. And they didn't win with it. And they went with the assisted no. pile driver, which is not nearly as impressive in this day and age. No. So... First of all, that that just weirded me out. I didn't like it. But overall... Unless they're establishing it as just a secondary finisher, um, like uh, that they can go back and forth between the two. In your first match ever on a promotion with a B-level tag team, you can't beat them with your primary finisher. There's a problem. No, they did the they did the primary, that finisher to the illegal guy in the match. Oh, Oh, was that it? Oh. Yeah, they they did that to uh, the Shatter Machine to Butcher, and then immediately followed it up with the uh, Spike Pile Driver to Blade, who was the uh, legal man in the match. Cheers to you, and I will stand corrected. Okay, I got you on that. Uh, but overall, my problem with this match is that it should have been shorter, and FTR should have dominated more. Butcher and the yeah. Blade are a B-level tag team in AEW. They have done nothing. They have beaten nobody. And for FTR to come in and work a 50-50 match with them and go this long for a debuting badass tag team did not make any sense. It didn't work. It didn't work for their characters. I thought, you know, listen, they tagged in and out. They they worked a good match, but it should have been wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It should not have been what they put on. Yeah. Um, uh, you you hit on the point that I was talk. I wanted to mention about Jericho. Like, gr- great on commentary, entertaining on commentary, but uh, a bit much. Yeah. And they they seem to he seemed to just kind of step on toes a bit a lot. there. Yes. Uh, and like there there was a point where I'm like, 
Excalibur's still there, <laughs> right? Because I felt like he couldn't get a word in edgewise. Um, uh, the... Uh, the, the, the Colt Cabana match, you, like you said, uh, great, great stuff. Um, the championship match, or actually, no, let's talk about the, the, the women, the, the, the tag team match there. Um, it was, why it was just like four of your five top contenders. And honestly, this match doesn't deserve to be talked about. Why are these people tagging with each other? For what reason? Are any of these people tagging with each other? This is a WWE style. We got to put these people on the card, put them in a tag match. It serves no purpose and helps no one. I, I don't yeah. get this. N- Nyla helping Penelope doesn't like it, just seems to go against what I think of Nyla. Nyla just comes across to, as me as a like like everyone is is at risk to her she doesn't care if you're face or or heel if you get in her way of what she wants you're gonna go down and by her helping her that doesn't help nyla no so it seems to go against her character nyla rose penelope ford should be terrified of nyla rose Every single person in the division, babyface or heel, should be terrified of her. If I, if you would have said, listen, we've got to book these four people because these are our bigger stars. They had the package with Britt Baker, their other big women's star, which was great and a nice continuation and simple and straightforward and well done. All good. But we've got to book these four people on there because these are important stars that we could have pushed. I would have said, okay, Nyla Rose comes out and Penelope Ford comes out. Nyla Rose grabs Penelope Ford, uh, beast bombs her in the middle of the ring, leaves her laying, and Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander, who is also an alien, by the way, if you didn't know, uh, go over and go, I guess I'm just going to pin her, and the match is over. Like, that's that's yeah. the story I would tell because Nyla Rose is still the number one contender for the championship. Uh, yeah. And tag matches don't matter and things well, like but that. The, I, I just, I don't, I don't get why you would book it. I don't understand why you would book once it was booked you would have it go this way i don't think it served anybody i don't think any at the before this match everybody was exactly where they were at the end of this match and if you're trying to tell a story and you're going to have a a reason for putting a match on other than filling tv time they did not do that no and uh uh then we had the main event, uh, another TNT championship match, uh, a fine match, but Marquen, uh, talented dude, and told a good story of the injured legs and all of that. I, I, I just have a hard time understanding. And I feel like what's his face? Uh, why do I, why did I say what's his face? MJF had a great point is like, why are these people getting title shots over me? Well, obviously the TNT is an open challenge, and even you don't have to be on the AEW roster apparently to get a title shot. So at least they've they set yeah. that precedent. Mike, you know me. This is now becoming a a theme of this podcast. You tell me what I did not like about this match. Uh, too much outside. Too stuff. much bullshit on the outside. Why is this necessary? What 
universe do we live in where we have two talented professional wrestlers, at least a very, very talented professional wrestler and a young, raw, extremely athletic and dynamic professional wrestler that can't tell a fucking story inside the ring. That 450 splash or whatever Mark Quinn did out to the ramp, In how is this justified and why is this being done on an episode of Dynamite? It, it is the law of diminishing returns. None of it matters because we see it all too often. The story they told in the ring, the finish was great. The bones of this match were really, really excellent. The functionality of it was was paint by numbers for a a uh, anything goes AEW match. Way too many dives to the outside, a spot with that thing on the ramp that was unnecessary given the context of the situation. You cannot sell. Every single week, if you try to sell, everyone's leaving everything on the line and people are willing to live through an atomic bomb to win this championship, you cannot sell. You can't sell a pay-per-view on that. You can't sell a real feud on that, right? So I I just, I, I thought so much was unnecessary. They could have stripped every Cody Rhodes match, stripped down five minutes, better match. And this is the perfect example of it. I love the commentary. I loved everything they said, and I and I and I wanted to like it, but I found myself being underwhelmed and a little bit bored. Yeah, I I, I get that. I I gotta commend Quinn though. I I thought that he, the the story with his his knee or leg or I I can't remember ankle. Like I, I thought that he did a, a good job of of. But did he? Because that. he did <sighs> for four, him, like four big jumping diving spots, all on a bad knee, all on a bad leg. Yeah. So did he really yeah, sell that? I, I get that. And he was he was selling them after he performed those moves. If he but, was yeah, saved I, up I for one, for one of those spots, and he would have done that four fifty jump off into the ring. And he would have gone for one, but had the leg buckle. I mean, we really would have believed it. But you cannot do three consecutive dives to the outside and tell me that your wheels hurt. Because it can't be if you do that. So, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's, it's frustrating for me. I get what you and, mean. And there yeah. was a complete clusterfuck after the match. With everything going on, a lot of moving parts with the elite and all this other kind of stuff. Um... Just real quick, uh, Matt Hardy is must-skip TV. Uh, if you're not skipping what Matt Hardy does on television, I think you may be having—you probably should go see a doctor because you're having some kind of aneurysm or uh, you're seeing spots. I, I don't get it. Uh, if you're also going through what Matt Hardy is going through on television by uh, going in and out of different personalities, you should also go see the a doctor. very the saddest thing I can say about this is that I have to give if I was giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down to the Matt Hardy segment where he changed personalities twice, uh, I'd have to give it an up because he didn't teleport or magically change clothes. <laughs> during it 
I can't believe I'm saying this, but I had to give it an up because they didn't do one of those two things. Uh, the, I also have to call out the fact that uh, at one point during the six-man tag with uh, the Inner Circle and the best friends in Orange Cassidy, uh, Chris Jericho said that Jake Hager looks like he's beating up a 15-year-old version of himself. it was really funny and i enjoyed it but orange cassidy looks like a 15 year old next to professional wrestlers that's kind of a problem um tell before we talk about this i also have to ask you i've liked every darby allen weird like indie film that he shot yeah. Am I supposed to be impressed by jumping on off of ladders on, on skateboards? Because I'm I'm 39. I don't give a shit about your skateboard, dude. I don't give a shit about Tony Hawk. Kevin doesn't like drop I don't give a shit about Tony Hawk. I think you look like an idiotic douchebag. Do you think the majority of people were impressed by this? Or do you think the majority of people are like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen? Uh, I, I'm going to go with a majority of people probably are like, that's kind of dumb. But here's the thing. That is probably a pretty difficult task to, to do. So is basket weaving. I don't want to watch somebody do it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if anyone thinks like, oh, that's not that's not an impressive thing to just fall off of a ladder and land on a ramp on your skateboard, it's it's more difficult than that. But it, what what I felt like that they were just trying to to prove here is just that that never say die attitude of of Darby, like that he's gonna just keep on trying to do this dangerous thing that could seriously hurt him until he. Then have him wear a seven-pound beard of bees. Do anything other than what they've just done. I, you did notice that he had no shirt on the entire time he was trying those until the very last one when he uh, he nailed it. He had his jacket I did, on. I did see that, and I just didn't care. I I don't understand. I just didn't get any of this. Uh, I I was not impressed. Um, but I, the last thing. I I was going to write down a note on this, and then I realized that I didn't know how I felt, and I needed your guidance. Orange Cassidy was beaten up with a bag of oranges. Now, yes, there were so many puns thrown I around was not, in that. I couldn't tell. I can't tell anymore. Is this comedy garbage? Is this genius? No one teleported. No one changed forms. Uh, Chris Jericho did not put a, uh, a, a safety cone on his head and cackle like a witch. Uh, if you hit someone with a 20 pound bag of oranges, it would hurt. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So it could be a violent weapon. Guide me, Mike. What, what was this? It was, it was a comedy spot. That was disguised as a dramatic. We got color from an ear and a blade job. Yeah. Right. Both. Yeah. Uh, Now, if I've learned anything uh, from Bing Crosby, 
It's that if you beat someone with a bag of oranges, you don't leave a mark. It's your mentor, yeah. right? You don't leave. Just like uh, Rey Mysterio yeah. is uh, Alistair Black. You don't leave a mark. So how did that bag of oranges cut his forehead? Was it a particularly sharp orange? Do the oranges... No, he was, ble- he was bleeding before... He was bleeding in the ear. Uh, the... It looked like. No, it well, I think that just the way that the he bladed and the blood was flowing towards oh, okay. his ear that made it look like. And even Jr. I think said that he was bleeding from the ear. It was. I think it was the bl- the blood was flowing from his head into his okay. ear. So when he was picked up, it kind of looked like it was going the opposite okay. direction. Uh, but yeah, I just they they played this serious. And I'll give them yeah. credit for that. They didn't play this haha. But it was a bag of oranges. And his name is Orange Cassidy. And they bloodied orange, yeah. like blood oranged Orange Cassidy. And then Jericho said, he's just been juiced, I, which is another, which is an inside term if for. I would have seen this segment, color, which is an inside term for teleportation, uh, which is where I think everything kind of went off the rails for AEW. If I had seen this prior to that, I would say this is pretty stupid. I might not like this. Now I'm like, this might be the best thing that they have because the inner circle are jokes that do comedy wrestling and this kind of put them in a dangerous light again. The stuff at the very end with Hager and Cody kind of put them in a serious light again. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I just don't know how to feel Mike. I don't know how to feel. Uh, Jericho also bit into an orange like it was an apple, and that's not how you eat oranges. He's from um, Winnipeg, bro. You don't know how they do things there. They don't have oranges. Um, also, I don't know which one of them brought it. I'm going to go with Ortiz. But at the end segment, someone threw an orange uh, at uh, Cody and company. I'm going to say that it was Ortiz because it would make sense that he would be carrying an orange to throw at someone. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so that was yeah. I uh, this was not a terrible episode of Dynamite. I think they did some good character work here. I think they have a long way to go with some of the character work, uh, but it was inoffensive. It didn't do anything terrible. I'm glad you were not offended. Yeah, it just it just wasn't great. It just wasn't great. Yeah, I I mean, it it was certainly more enjoyable than Raw. And uh, it always is. Even in even in the nonsense, it is because I like the I can can listen to AEW's commentary and not hate myself. Which you know what I want to go to one thing real quick back to Raw. Remember three weeks ago, Joe hated Seth. Like Joe was anti Seth. He was like he. He's just a charlatan. Don't listen to anything that he has to say. And now he's uh, a Seth supporter out of seemingly nowhere. But he got he got a He got a note. Yeah, (laughs) you're supposed to be you're supposed to be the heel commentator for sure. Uh, All right. So 
actually we're we're back talking about WWE because we're going to do predictions for Lashback. Lashback. Yes. Bobby Lashback. <laughs> Bob Lashley back. Um I'm looking at this card and it's like all right. Um have you seen I know we don't watch Smackdown, but this Jeff Hardy DUI uh storyline like as if like is Jeff Hardy not like sick of them making storylines out of his real life because it seems to happen wherever he goes no idea man I, yeah I, I I do see the the rundowns but I have no interest in any of this so he's facing Seamus Oh, it's, this it's, just seems like a was Seamus revealed to be the person who set him up. Yeah, cool. Uh, Seamus, I'm gonna go with Jeff Hardy. Uh, so we already have a difference. Yep, there we go. That that might be our only one. Um, Apollo Cruz defending his U.S. title against Andrade. I'll go with Apollo. Won, yeah. Uh, Apollo as well. Uh, just a, a quick note. Uh, Apollo Crews came out on Raw to literally do nothing. He came out, yeah. did an in-ring interview where he went, Woo! Happy to be here! Wrestling! Yeah. Like it! And then he went to the back to watch TV at an awkward angle. Yeah, None of that was These guys are going are gonna to fight to get the opportunity to fight me. Yay! Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. No... no I in a, in a in a normal situation you might say oh they did that to put him in front of a crowd and give him some experience talking because he has not done it a lot this was taped in front of the performance center crowd there was no point to do this zero and they did it yeah. and he looked like an idiot go on uh the women's tag team championship uh is in a triple threat match <sighs> Bailey and Sasha Against Alexa and Nikki, against uh, Billy and Peyton. The only thing that makes sense here is Billy and Peyton. They are a tag team. Well, so are Alexa and Nikki. Well, th- they just. I have... mean, actually, all three of these teams are teams. Well, so Alexa and Nikki have been a tag team and have held the championship, but they just took the titles off of them. It doesn't make sense to put the titles back on them. Why would they take them off of them? It makes it doesn't make sense that they they're getting a rematch for this. I I don't watch SmackDown. I don't know what Bailey and Sasha are doing. Bailey is the fucking women's SmackDown champion. She should not have two belts and be running around monopolizing time. They should use this time to get over a team that can go and run a program with someone away from the women's championship picture. So the to me, the only people that make any sense whatsoever is Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Will they win? Of course not, because that's not how idiots book wrestling matches. I... <laughs> I'm just going to go with Sasha and Bailey, I guess. Uh, You know, I like. I know that they want to do a Bailey versus Sasha program at some point. 
like there's talk of it being a SummerSlam storyline. So they're going to have to take these titles off of them with them having miscommunications at some point. A triple threat match is seemingly WWE's best way of usually doing stuff like that. But I don't think that it's just yet that time. So I'm going to stick with Bailey and Sasha too. Okay. Uh, Asuka and Nia Jax. Asuka. Uh, Unless they're morons. Yes. (laughs) Which they have not proven that they are not. If they can just do me a big favor and have Nia Jax go away forever after this, that would be great. Great. Braun Strowman is taking on The Miz and Morrison in a handicap match for the Universal title. This happened (laughs) two months ago, three months ago. Braun Strowman defended the Intercontinental title against three people and lost. Uh, the fact that you would even book this match proves why watching SmackDown is fruitless and I'm missing nothing. Uh, Braun Strowman wins, I yeah. guess. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Bob Lashley for the WWE title. Oh, Drew McIntyre wins this for sure. Yeah. I I think that they could uh, keep this this feud going. It, 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 and they should. Yeah. This this works. I, I like I really, really like what I'm seeing. Uh omit Lana from the equation, stop the VIP lounge forever, and just have a serious this revi- this even makes Bob Lashley even more vicious, and now we see weapons uh, attacks with a you know uh, in the backstage with a lead pipe or something. I mean, just let them let him lose his mind to the point where MVP thinks this guy's out of control. You know, yeah, and let him go after him in this way, and let it be as nefarious and as much outside interference as possible, and let Drew win, and. Then yeah. Drew will have conquered this person. And then, by the way, with all the shit I have talked about Bob Lashley over the past several years, the fact that he is a computer-generated image, that he has absolutely no personality, not not relevant anymore. This guy has personality. This guy looks like a fucking monster. And you take this guy out of this program with Drew McIntyre and you have him go obliterate people for weeks on end and you rehab that character and you have him be an Apo- challenge Apollo Crews go after the secondary title have him and MVP take the titles off of the fucking Street Profits have this person become a focal point as a upper mid card heel that people are terrified of and then at some point he can go after the championship again it, I, I like what I'm seeing with that dude I, I even think that they could uh, run a DQ uh, finish here where uh, Lashley refuses to, like, he has the full Nelson on and Drew gets the ropes, but he refuses the break. 
You know, I, I don't think I would do that at this point with Drew. I mean, what you said, uh, not doing a rope break, I, I get that. Uh, but no, I think I think you can have, I think Drew can beat him clean, and I think you can still have this program go on. Okay. I absolutely think, and, and I think it, I think we deserve that, if we deserve anything. Yeah. And... WWE is definitely one to be like, you deserve nothing. <laughs> Specifically you, Kevin. Yes. They, they've said that on multiple occasions. Yeah, fuck you, Kevin. It's what they, they, did a, they did a whole YouTube video about it. Ah, yes, I saw that a few times. <laughs> uh, is that, was that the last and match? Then, no, the greatest wrestling match ever. Oh, God, yes, I forgot about that. Uh, Edge won... The WrestleMania nonsense yeah. match. Uh, well, listen, I've actually spoken up on all most of these matches first, so you get to go first for this one. I'm gonna go Randy Orton here. Um, I don't know if this is gonna be Edge's last match, but I think that this will like this might be a way of blowing this off and. I think it's going to be overbooked too. Uh, I I think this will be the first furthest thing from the greatest wrestling match ever. Well, you, you know the there's all kinds of reports that they you know they filmed this over multiple days and they have edited and the the dirt sheets are saying this is going to be really great. This is going to be really great really? because oh yeah they're they're saying because they were able to you know go back and fix things and and edit it and all these other kinds of things. I don't think the WWE would know a great match if it bit him in the ass. I don't think yeah. that you can have a greatest match ever without a crowd. I don't think you'd have a greatest match ever with a guy who's been in two matches in the past eight years. Uh, I like Edge. I like Randy Orton. It is the thing that has sold this pay-per-view more than anything else that I've seen so far that we've talked about. But because of the way they sold it, I'm not that geeked up to see it. The logical thing for me is Edge comes out and does his thing and wins. But we had that at WrestleMania. So I guess Randy makes the most sense. I mean, Edge goes out and the, 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 the great happy tale we get to tell is the fact that he went out and put on a great match. That seems to be the narrative they're setting up. If he just goes out there and performs really well and entertains us all, then he wins. Because if you're trying to put on the greatest wrestling match ever, it's just about working together to make me happy. So I guess they can have their cake and eat it too. With Randy going over and and, uh, Edge still putting on a splendid display of athleticism. So I guess I'll go with Randy as well. Okay. But that's it for, uh, thank those, God uh, predictions. You know, that you said something in there that made a ton of sense is that when these guys go out, like they should want to win a wrestling match as quickly as possible. Their goal should not be to go out there and be like, let's exchange holds. Like, uh, let's let's make 
like in, in kayfabe uh, and let's make sure that the fans have a good time and, and enjoy it and that we get five stars from Meltzer uh, on this. Uh, it's, it is kind of silly yes. to try to promote this as like, these guys are going to go out there and try to put on the best match ever. Yeah. Like, no, Randy should want to beat Edge in 10 seconds and vice versa. No UFC fighter has ever said, I'm going to go out there and put on the best performance of my life. And all it's going to be dramatic because someone's going to have to come from behind and it's going to be exciting. They go out there and say, if I could win this thing in five seconds, I'll bloody this person to a pulp. That's what you should be doing in a wrestling match. And the entire build of this is idiotic. It's stupid. It is counterproductive. But the promos and everything have been the best thing on TV. So once again, I don't know how to feel. Between Blood Oranges and the greatest wrestling match ever, I'm fucking ass over tea kettle. I don't know what I'm doing anymore, Mike. Do you know that phrase, ass over tea kettle? Uh, no. Uh, uh, I, I've, I've learned a whole lot of new phrases on this particular episode of the show. I feel like I teach you a lot of things, and you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anything else that you want to talk about? Any other uh, nice little tidbits that you want to throw out there? Uh, real quick, uh, Moxley and, um, and Cage had a good little interaction in a parking lot. That was fine on AEW. Yeah, and there seemed to also be a little teasing of uh, Taz not being able to control him. Which is nice. Because he, yeah, he, he was like, all right, we're done. We're done. You Like, leave him, leave him alone. Let's go. And then he went back and got some more licks in there, threw him into the windshield and such. I mean, he's, he's the world champion, and he was on a segment of AEW, and we didn't even talk about it. What does that tell you? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, that's going along with uh, your continued narrative that he's probably not the best choice as the the champion. Uh, John Moxley is a great upper mid carder. I'm not sure he's a world champion. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's wrap things up here. Uh, thanks, everyone, once again for joining us. Check out our social media at Miss Spots on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can always listen to the show and any fashion that suits your needs and is easy for you, whether that be our website, MissSpotsPodcast.com or simply MissSpots.com, as well as any of the major podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are found. Um, For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll see you here next week to talk probably about Backlash. Probably, I guess so. Uh, We'll see you then. Good night. Good wrestling.